Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. It's PTP uh, in the future. I've already edited this, and as I was listening back, I realized we didn't put a content warning up front. If for some reason you clicked on a podcast that talked about interviewing a sex worker and about a man running for office after ruining a number of sex workers' lives, and you didn't expect frank discussion about sex, well, here's your content warning right here. Uh, Once again, thanks for listening. I'm a boy. It's okay. He's my special boy. I'm your special boy. This is Recyclables. I guess we're back. Are we back? Are we comfortable with being back? We're back. That's a, that's a consenting episode. We being me, Patrick Thomas Perkins, uh, as well as she's drinking, so I'll introduce her weird Rochelle Cote. It's Rochelle Cody. God damn it. Turd. <laughs> I just, at some point, I decided her name was so French, I can't not French it up at least once in interaction. <laughs> And you are uh, our guest. I was going to say lovely. I feel like that's not a, a rude modifier, but our lovely guest, Nova Starlust. Thank you. Um, Nova, our guest, is a professional dominatrix. I don't know. I got super radio just that. Okay, Nova, <laughs> our guest. She's um, a pro-dom, folks. Pro-pain and pro-pain accessories. Oh my gosh, that meme is probably one of my favorite ones I've seen recently. Uh, and we, we had a more intimate discussion about our, our kind of our... our taste and what that was about this one is a little bit more focused because i've got a i've got a mission in this next while i don't know how the next <laughs> five hours of your life i'm gonna oh my gosh here. but i did want to i did want to pick your brain before we start yeah because a lot of what i want to talk about the person i want to talk about is the uh gentleman running for governor nicholas Kristoff. i guess he's officially running from what i understand he's done some things and he's got some views that i care about and you care about um yes we want to talk about sex work, and we want to talk about the both the criminalization, the decriminalization, and also some things that um, I don't I don't know the, the the path the path that we think is right. But I hate phrasing things like that way because mm-hmm. we don't know shit. But like, I mean, what is the most likely path yeah. of success that makes sure that sex workers are protected and that their clients are as well? Because TLDR: It's decrim. Okay, yeah. not legalization. No, not legalization decriminalization okay and we're gonna we want to get into the distinctions of some of that and some of the because right now i believe currently you can be arrested both as a um proprietor of sex and a i don't patron yes Mm -hmm. i'm a patron of the sexes yes the issue is other countries one of the interesting things is other countries don't always follow that model some countries punish just the person who goes who who buys sex but not the people selling it someplace. Very rarely does that, that happen. Would, that would be the um, uh, end demand model or end the demand. Nordic model. In Nordic model. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the the more popular models are models that just punish the sex workers themselves as the source of the crime. But it's one of the... And it's criminalization. I, I yeah, say, criminalization uh, is criminalizing both sides of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we want to focus on decriminalization as opposed to legalization. Yes. Because why? Regulation. When it comes to... Weren't you going to show up? (laughs) When it comes to legalization, you're going to have regulation coming into an industry that is supposed to be low entry because the most marginalized people usually end up in this industry because it is so like low entry. So when you start 
putting regulations on things like licenses and you have to operate out of this, that, and that, you're barring yet again the most marginalized people in our community from being able to survive. So to... And would that potentially push the folks who can't qualify for those licenses Mm -hmm. and to pay all the fees and everything push them into doing it in illegal ways and then they'll be even further persecuted because they're not doing it the lawful way? Yes. And it also, my understanding is it also puts you in a more dangerous position because one of the reoccurring themes on all of our podcasts is 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 that like bad shit thrives in the gray areas but when you make something an addition to that is when you make something like super illegal it makes it super dangerous for the people who have to do it as well yeah so like the there's no if you're an air quotes illegal sex worker in a country where it's legal you're much more likely to kind of be marginalized and ignored by society abused mm-hmm. yeah. murdered and trafficked you, and you if something happens to you you can't come forward you can't be like oh I was just stabbed mm-hmm. because you got stabbed in the commission of a crime according to whatever your your principality's rules are. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like double jeopardy danger as well because it, it allows the people... It's, it's this problem I have And then with- add on top of the whole morality clause too of people seeing your line of work is being immoral or lesser than yeah. anything else that anyone else does. I see the I see the um, conversation on TikTok about how like every job where you're using your body, you are selling your body. Yeah. yeah. It is not just sex work. You are when I was working at a bakery, I was selling my arms for mm. rolling dough like rolling things, mixing mm-hmm. things, scooping things. Um, when I was a preschool teacher, I was selling I was selling my mind, my body, and my empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's just so silly that that's that's where it's like if you if you're having sex, you're selling your body. But if you work in construction, you have a respectable career. And yeah, well, it's because this this society in our country is so hung up on like they're just so disgusted and also like so enthralled with sex. Like we're obsessed with sex, but also like disgusted with it at the same time. So when you throw that disgust in with someone's line of work, it's it's just a disaster. When, when you make a when you make a job a, a stereotype, mm-hmm. you do things to that job. That's part of why f- death of the author. Part of flipping calling people burger flippers is you demean them, and you're like, that's all you're doing. When in fact, working at a fast food, I've intentionally never worked in a fast food environment because I knew it would kill me, mm-hmm. like, or I oh. would kill someone. It was so funny. There was, it was like last year or something. Some CEOs like people just don't understand the pressure of these kinds of positions. I I cried all night last night because of something, and I was like, "Do you know how many times I cried while I was working making yeah. food? Do you know how many times I burned myself? Do you know how many times I had panic attacks? Have you so cried like, in a walk-in freezer? Yeah, or have you cried rich? in a walk-in <laughs> freezer?" Have you cried in the dish pit? I like crying in the dish pit because you can't tell if they're your tears or the spray oh. from the sprayer. You know? I like crying as you serve because you get better tips and no conversation. They're like, whatever, just have a five to not talk to whatever that's about. I liked my last job where like I was just so anxious. I went outside to throw up and like everybody thought that I had just smoked way too much weed. Um, I worked at a dispensary, by the way. So, like, yeah. But they're like, oh, you're just really high. I'm like, yeah, Yeah, that's that's what it is. is. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Do we have anything, like, like, I think weed is a good example of why it's been, why people think legalization is the route to go. Mm -hmm. Because I think they see weed making money 
Taxes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big reason you push for legalization. So do you think if we had decriminalization with taxation, people would be, like, way more on board? Do you think that's a thing? Possibly. Um, You know, anything where, you know, they're potentially paying less taxes, most people are going to be like, yeah, I don't have to give people as much money. That's cool. Big part of it, though, is uh, destigmatizing it. You know, when it came to legalizing cannabis, there was, you know, how many... How many? National cannabis marches every single year on Fortnite for how many years? You know, there was large movements around it of, you know, destigmatizing the effects of it and, you know, being like, this is good for people, you know. We, people we normalized need, it. Yeah. We, I know people have always argued that it's the medical angle that got it kind of legalized, but I think it really was somebody putting together, mm-hmm. oh, we can tax this. Yeah. Right. I think... The medical angle, especially, like, I remember the stories about that young girl who had all those seizures, and then when she was able to have whatever it was from this specific strain, uh, her yeah, seizures yeah, diminished. RSO. That, yeah, that was what, I think that was a big turning point in the public eye. Mm-hmm. But then when we started to see some of these states start that process and see their fucking, like, so, income, so that's we, when the states started to all care Alright, so about I've, got, I've got a pitch. I've got a pitch. We find a woman who suffers from severe seizures unless she's getting her pussy eaten. Listen, we and can then... just do wan- <laughs> we can do wandering uterus, okay? We will go back to that. I will claim I have a wandering uterus. And then I will say that sex work has cured it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> like, cool. That seems about what we would have to do is be like, I've just been so hysterical. But ever since I've been spending time with Nova, everything's better. <laughs> <laughs> We need to go backwards and backwards it's... at the same time to go forward. It's the only yeah, way. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a healing and destructive entity at the same time. Well, I mean, so. that's that's kind of the beauty of sex is it can be both. Mm-hmm. If you and 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 people, sorry, I'm just a big fan of like people can have a variety of sex and it's fine. And you're you can have sex and love interdependent of each other. And our society just doesn't talk about that. Like. <laughs> Corey and I just stand on opposite sides of the bedroom and stare at each other while we touch ourselves. That is the only sex we've ever they have, had. They have clothes on, too. Well, they, yeah. I, I've walked in it's on it. Is it like that, um, the Naked Gun movies or whatever? Where they oh, wear the, the giant condoms? Yeah. So I watched that as a kid, and I had no idea. I had no idea what Same. that was about. <laughs> no idea. So there's the the problem with the Nordic model also is that it punish, or That's the one where you arrest the workers, right? No, no, that's the one where you arrest the the Johns. So uh, yeah, oh, okay. okay. Uh, it is yeah. It's also called the end demand model, okay. um, because their idea was, uh, you know, if you just punish the people that are um, demanding the service, then it will, it'll oh, it'll save the poor sex workers from being exploited and because all that stuff. Big, and it's like, a... listen, exploitation does happen, and like, I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't. Like, some some people will, tr- you know, they're trying to put a nice face on so we're more like digestible to the public. It does happen, but that it literally it happens. In every industry. Yes, it literally happens in every industry. Uh, especially if you're female presenting, like <laughs> hear me out on this. Let's close all fast food restaurants because of wage theft. Mm-hmm. At least until they figure it out. Like, yeah, until they figure it out. Until yeah. they figure it out, no more or fast food. Because start how much start time arresting they the people that want to buy burgers. You know. Yeah, yeah. See how the, see how long that lasts. That is kind of their solution to the problem. Is what we're saying. Yeah. Do we have 
Is there any place that effectively has a model that that you think would be admirable to follow? Do you know? And if you uh, don't, New that's Zealand. Fair. New Zealand. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Their... I believe uh, New Zealand does have like a decriminalized model, and they do have like brothels, host bo- oh. brothels, and things like that. Australia has uh, legal brothels and things oh, like I didn't that. Know also, that. yeah, I know um, about that. Yeah, I, I need to visit. I actually have friends that work out of them. But. Yeah, they they're a little more lax on things like that. And there's resources too. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um. So like, if you're assaulted by someone, like the management actually gives a shit for the most part, and like you know the that's police good. will actually have to respond to a call because you're a human being that was just assaulted. Yeah, that's. I think that's the hard. Like, part. regardless of what you do, you're a human being. <laughs> like yeah, that no was one... assaulted. Yeah. Yeah. The two nuances that it seems like it's hard for people to get are that there's, I mean, people are bad with nuance and spectrum in general, but I think it's the fact that there is an exploitive spectrum Mm -hmm. uh, where there are people who don't want to be exploited and are exploited. Mm -hmm. And there are people who don't want to be exploited and aren't. And there, there is a weird because of psychosexual, whatever people who kind of want to be exploited but only to a line or people who are like hey i'm willing to be exploited up to a line so mm-hmm. it's and i think we'll the... see but that's what decriminalization would help because when you take away resources from places like you know stings on what's supposed to be human trafficking but it's really just harassing um full service sex workers and their patrons which is like it's something like i think um Multnomah county jumps like to the tune of over a million dollars a year into if, this what, program. What if that was for kids or fucking homeless or fucking yeah. any number of things. Or or you take that those that money and create resources for people yeah, that yeah. were actually trafficked so that they could go to a safe place and be like, Hey, this thing happened to me. I really need help and then they can help. But our current model is really very punitive, very, very, oh, yeah. you've, you've done bad as the person who wants to have sex. And, and you've it, done bad as the person to sell the sex. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you're the person who wants to sell your sex, there is some wrong shit with you is, is the message. Not, mm-hmm. not I want to clarify, cause I know this is an audio format. So my facial sarcasm mm-hmm. doesn't show up. Do you feel like a huge part of the problem is that people really don't understand what human trafficking looks like. Oh my god, yes. That is a huge issue. Like, my mom posts Ugh. the memes of, like, don't get gas at night. Oh my Did god. Stuff Let me... And I'm like, mom, I totally agree that we should be aware mm-hmm. in those spaces, but high, very likely the way someone is trafficked is by someone they know. Yes. It's actually fueled by the opioid epidemic. Okay. Is meth part of it too, or is it just opioids? Oh, meth de- is definitely general, a, a, yeah. yeah, drugs in general, but definitely the opioid. Uh, yeah, and, that makes and, sense. And uh, pandemic, oh. endemic. Well, uh, for <laughs> opioid, it's an epidemic, <laughs> epidemic because it's specifically that's it America that we're that's having right. a big issue. Yeah, it. thanks to that um, pharmaceutical company. But like, so SOPA. Mm-hmm. Sesta, all these different things. They specifically are trying to stop Mm -hmm. human trafficking, but what they're really doing is penalizing sex workers a lot of the time, correct? So, yeah. So in 2018, when um, it's actually just SESTA-FOSTA now, it was two laws, um, FOSTA and SESTA, now it's just the SESTA-FOSTA. What they stood for was like basically stop sex trafficking act, right? Mm-hmm. And you know most Xanax wine moms in their suburbs and stuff are just gonna hear like, oh, children are being exploited, and this is a you know that's a bad thing. Vote for it, you know. 
a lot of our politicians don't want to look like they're for trafficking. Yeah. So they almost unanimously all agreed to pass this law into or pass this bill into law. And, and a lot of it also comes down to the fact that so many people in our like so many people in the House and the Senate do not understand how the internet works. Yeah, no. And do not understand how sex workers get work yeah. and solicit their services and stuff. Um, and so well, that. not only that, but they don't even really understand human trafficking. Uh, even our Department of Justice went on trial and was like, if you pass this law, it will make it so much harder for us to do our jobs. Like, it's just going <clears throat> to drive actual traffickers back more, like underground. And people will die because of this law. Like, people will die because they either don't have access to their financial resources anymore or they're going to be trafficked because they don't have the resources from law enforcement anymore that protected them. And that's exactly what has happened. And that's what happens when we're when we have uneducated, unnuanced conversations. Yeah, which is just highlighting why. Um, there was only two people that voted against it, and it was actually um, Ron Wyden, I think, of Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And um, who's that trolly little fuck? Um, Ron Paul or whatever his really? name. Really, Rand Paul. Yeah. Oh, I want to um, punch him in the face so hard. Yeah, because well, I mean, he, well, they he's were a libertarian, like, yeah. So that was probably the reason he was against it. Yeah, and Rod Wyden is one of the few like I, I've I, heard good things. Yeah, he's one of the few I hear good things about re- regularly. He was he was involved with this thing called the Gray Panthers back in the eighties, uh-huh. which was like a movement for elderly people to get more rights and acknowledgments. I met him when I was younger. He was actually yeah, a pretty too. nice guy. Is he the reason there's always those silver alerts that I see on the like? screen so like sometimes when you drive up and down the interstate you'll see silver alerts where they say like a whole an older person has like gone missing in their car and I, they describe I, the type of car and stuff I like couldn't, that i couldn't speak to I that wouldn't, it'd be interesting if he was a part of that because i've never but granted there aren't a lot of like flashing signs in montana over the interstates because there aren't a lot of us do you think there is enough of an element within our leadership that is interested in the money that can still be made by not actually addressing sex trafficking and punishing like, do, you, do you mean the criminal yeah. element or do you just mean like the the legal elements that benefit i think it could be a little bit of both but okay. like do you think there there are potentially people like the epstein kind of angle where mm-hmm. it's like they're like no this has to keep going and i actually don't want to make it better and i know that this bill will actually make it worse i mean i'm like i don't want to tin hat it too hard i mean i wouldn't doubt that there's people that definitely benefit from you know because like we're like number like we're in the top five for uh sex tourism in the world i did not know yeah who's who's number one i don't know Uh, i i totally forgot i was more worried about our current position okay (laughs) i remember i did a report on thailand when i was in middle school and i in my research they're like this is actually a really popular place for sex tourism as well oh yeah definitely um and sex tourism is usually code for like a rape tour right am i am i not necessarily not really it doesn't have to be okay okay i was just um i think in some marginalized communities it does like, like um you know like strip clubs and things like that like, oh, okay 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 i wasn't sure category, i wasn't sure how because like, we used which was part of the problem i was or part of the thing i was thinking about that i have a problem with which is i think it occam's razor comes about because 
Like we have unnuanced conversations. We have uneducated conversations. We have people whose motivations are just to stay in office. Uh -huh. Like they don't want to fix anything. They just want to keep their job. Yeah. And so all of that combines to nobody's really going to do anything different. I'm shaking my hands here. But yeah. they're not going to do anything unique or different because doing something unique or different is nuanced, requires an education, and you could risk your position if it's unpopular. Yep. Oh, I was going to say, if uh, if you wanted to learn a little bit more in depth on these specific models, someone else who's actually in the industry, yeah. and it's really important to listen to people in this industry as workers, because we know what we need. Like, you need to trust us that we know what we need, and celebrities need to stop infantilizing us and, like, speaking over us. And really, everyone in general that's not in this industry needs to stop speaking over us. But um, my friend, um, their name is Pomegranate. It's a P-O-M-M-A-G-R-A-N-E-T uh, on YouTube. And we'll have and, it um, Yeah, and then they're also Pomaseed on TikTok. But they have... Probably the most like digestible resources for like these different models of sex work, legalization, decrim, uh, Nordic model, things like that, that I've ever seen. Because having these conversations is really hard, but um, they, they definitely made it like way more digestible for just like anyone to be able to pick up and understand like why one is good, why one is bad, why it's important to listen to us in the industry, like why... You know, we prefer one thing over another. Yeah, that was part of what we were hoping to do was have you by having you on was have mm. uh, give voice to these to 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 these people. Yeah. But also to like you people, I'm to, so sorry. To no, you no, people, yeah. But also like I think it's important to negotiate. It, it, no, it's just important to negotiate in sex, even if there's never a financial transaction, because it's important to know, hey, this is wrong, this is right, and it's why there's that uh. Like the analogy I hear for, for boundaries is like you need to tell people where the fence is, not where the house wall is. Because once you get to the fence, you may hit the house wall on accident. But once you hit the fence, you're way more likely to be like, oh, I made a mistake. But mm -hmm. if you tell somebody your hard boundary, your house wall, they just drove into your house. Yeah. So in, in um, kink, we actually call that soft limits. Ah. Soft limits and hard limits. So like, yeah, soft limits are things that like you're not really into but maybe it might not be off the table but probably really aren't aren't really priority right yeah. would you or say just kind of eh, i'm not really super you know would that be kind of the conversation we were having earlier about public humiliation like there's certain elements of it you may be interested in but yeah the, like there's stuff it's like if anyone else is going to be introduced into this that didn't want to be there, yeah. stuff like that, you're like, that's a hard limit. Mm -hmm. Soft limit is like, okay, we can try Yeah, this. we can do like, you know, I'll, I'll put a vibrating butt plug in you and I'll mess around with it as long as you're not like overtly like loud or, or being drawing attention to yourself about it. You know, you have to be hush hush about it you know and like yeah, exactly that's kind of part of the fun of it is like you have to maintain like nothing is going on even yeah. though both you and i know what's going on but oh, yeah. yeah as soon as you start being over and like causing you know attention to yourself that's you've hit my hard limit because now there's other people that haven't consented brought into this scene and now i feel icky yeah, yeah. And so yeah. you kind of have to find out about that person like it sounds like you have to really know what people are going to respect soft limits yeah yeah 
so it's and it's funny you mentioned that because like as pervy a person as i am i'm still a person where it's like i don't want to hear other people having sex or anything if i can help i don't want to be involved in a thing i don't want to be in for all of my own issues you were talking though earlier about celebrities who have some opinions about things one of the ways we try to punish sex workers currently in america is through demonetization so a lot of like the big kerfuffle that happened recently on OnlyFans was what happened before on Pornhub. And what happens is the credit card companies are like, cool, you guys can have as much money as you want. We're not going to touch any of it. And if the credit card companies and the banks don't touch your money, your money doesn't exist in our world. Yeah, that was the beginning of the cannabis uh-huh. industry, especially in uh, like Oregon and other places, too, from my understanding. Yeah, and Oregon still has some gray areas as far as that goes, because mm-hmm. there's there's some banks won't touch it. Some banks will let you like put money from a private account that you put money from a week. Like it's, you've, you've got to do steps. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the same thing with the sex industry. You know, it's uh, we've seen banks, um, especially recently in this year, becoming like these moral arbiters of what's okay and what's not okay to spend your money on. And as a private citizen, you should be completely outraged by that, by the way, Uh, as well as FOSTA and SESTA, because FOSTA and SESTA doesn't just hurt sex workers, it hurts everyday people by taking away your freedom of speech online. There's a section of the Basically, what is the um, Declaration of Independence for online um, presence um, called Section 230A uh, of the uh, FCA? That's why I adore you, Miss <laughs> yeah. Nova wanted me to let you know that she misspoke. Uh, that was not supposed to be from 230A of the FCA. It was actually supposed to be from Section 230A of the Freedom of Information Act. I know, I too am shocked that she had information that she had off the top of her head wrong. Uh, but she is a committed person uh, and wanted you to know the difference. So here you go. On with the interview. But yeah, it basically, it says, like, you have the ability to say whatever the fuck you want to say online. And wherever you publish that isn't going to get in trouble for that, right? But if you do something illegal online... You're, you're responsible for that. Wherever you decide to publish that, though, it doesn't really need to get involved. It's, it's on you as an individual, right? So what section, uh, what Faustin Sesta did was uh, virtually erase this section of your online declaration of independence. And it made it so that wherever someone posts like a, a spicy take or like, you know, threats of violence or say, you know, something that maybe illegal like uh human trafficking the platform itself is now going to be legally charged so it's that thing instead where of the individual it's a thing where like now that money is yeah. free speech we have to punish them for using their free speech wrong yeah kind of kind of thing not 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 one-to-one but like yeah it's it's like um what what's a good example like it's like if I went to, if I bought a magic deck mm-hmm. and then I made all of the cards spell out a racist thing mm-hmm. and then was like touting racism through magic if they punished magic instead of me, but they also punished me. Yes. Okay. That was a very contrived example. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, and uh, think... It would be more like if you posted like an ad through your magic cards that you're like selling drugs, right? Okay. Then you 
and the the manufacturers of that deck are in trouble. So it's the thing that took down Craigslist. Yes, it is exactly the thing that yeah. took down uh, Backpage and Craigslist, which is something that it was a resource that a lot of full service sex workers used to keep each other safe. By the way, and it's also inversely like some of the outgoing consequences of that is one of my one of the groups I follow on Facebook is a is an anarchist share group, mm-hmm. and people will be like, "Oh, I'm low on medication," and they'll get the they at the very least they'll get you know banned or whatever but sometimes people will be like "Ooh, i want to follow up enough steps to press charges so a person who was like medically disabled and was just like jesus fucking christ i need maybe not even a narcotic maybe just something that's regulated because uh, of blood whatever I'm, I'm bad at knowing medicines but but like that person can risk getting in trouble because of these same bullshit rules that, like the same thing or somebody i have a reoccurring bit that i do on facebook where i'm like we'll trade cunnilingus for x y and z and it has gotten me in trouble with people and with facebook because they're like trying to yes. monetize and i'm like trying to trade cunnilingus well, for a specific pack of magic cards it's, it's, it's not, not even about the monetization so much as it is about like what people have um you know so with the whole human trafficking thing right um the reason that all these pages went down and the reason why you can't say things that you want to say on facebook anymore or post what you want to post on instagram anything like that uh is because when this law was passed they instead of having to you know go through the trouble of hiring a bunch of moderators and like sifting through all this content could you imagine sifting through all of facebook's content and having to hire as many moderators as it would take it would be you would go bankrupt no no, that's why they don't (laughs) yeah so instead they make shitty ais that (sighs) search for keywords yeah that's what they search for keywords or certain images and things like that but the problem with that is they're coded in such a way that they harm the most marginalized people wow surprise surprise But also, instead of looking at, you know, human trafficking being what it is, they just decided that anything that is of any sort of sexual nature is just not worth dealing with because it some human trafficking ad might be hidden in someone's like only fan page or you know or, or you just, could be lying about your own status yeah. and yeah you could be saying, a lot to belinda because so a colleague of ours who does stand up she used to have a comedy show here in town called smut mm-hmm. and she would get they would remove like advertisement for it the, her post would get taken down mm-hmm. They would get suppressed, all because it was thought she was selling sex when it was a comedy show. Yeah, and it should it, and like it didn't start until after a lot of this stuff started. Have coming you guys? Yeah. Would you guys like to hear some of the history of how that came about? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So bum me out more. I'm like, I already know, but yes, the, go ahead. <laughs> all right. So you can correct me where I get it wrong. That's why I love having somebody who knows more shit than me. Because I get I get really caught up in the story and details escape me. Uh, or or I'll get so focused on something that I'm like, what the, f- what the <laughs> fuck is that a thing? How did you... You, you know a thing I forgot to mention during Costly Convenience? Pancinetti at one point produced a series of videos about Italy. Like, he just had enough money He's to like, do... like, fuck it, we're talking about Italy. Yeah, a very weird thing. Anyway. He should have started a podcast. He could have. It would have been <laughs> better. All right, so I want to talk about, though, the Pornhub incident. Uh, the, the Kind of what led to the incident that we're talking about on Pornhub. And it was, it was not necessarily, I would say, crusaded by this man. 
but it was definitely kind of crusaded by this man. Uh, do you know the he name? He was definitely a catalyst for the yeah. shit show that we're dealing with now, yeah. So, Nicholas Dunabet Christoph was born April 27th, 1959. By and... the way, like, you know what they say about, like, trusting dudes with, like, two first names? I'm just saying. Well, is Dunabet... No, Nicholas and Christoph. Yeah, like, well, those I mean, are that, two first names. I feel like, but I feel like, as a person who goes by three names, even though that has like a relationship to serial killers, that you can't. But your trust... last name isn't a first name. Fair, fair, yeah, fair. Um, he's he's a he. His father was an immigrant from Austria-Hungary post Second World War. He was born in uh, Chicago, but raised in Yamhill County. And Mr. Christoph is running for, or, or, or is contending for the Democratic candidacy of the governor of Oregon. He's throwing his hat into the ring. How he figures into our conversation so far, though, is he pinned a number of the op-eds that led to people examining Pornhub in depth. Because what would happen, and it's like undeniably a thing that would happen, is people would film underage women, minors, girls, children film themselves having sex with them, and then post it and profit off of it. Or, or just get attention. I don't exactly know the fundamental cash model. But my point is that this thing would happen, and they would go after it, though, if you reported it. They weren't like... It, Pornhub wasn't a kitty Pornhub. It was just a regular Pornhub. Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. So, to uh, like continue on to what you're saying, Christoph. As a journalist for uh, New York Times, right? Yeah. There was a young woman by the name of Rose uh, Kalmba. I-, I hope I pronounced that right. A couple years back, we heard this story about how this young woman who was a minor at the time, so this child, was sexually assaulted by multiple people. Someone had taken a video of it and posted it on this tube site with Pornhub. It was probably on other tube sites as well. But she apparently petitioned for it to be removed and didn't get an answer back. Oh, okay, okay. So another lady by the name of uh, Lila Merkelwet, I think her name is. That's oh my a God. great last name. I forget her name exactly. I really want to like look this up because like I want to get her name right. Because, like, as I say it, I am cursing it. Like, I'm putting the curse of my ancestors on this name. It is Lila Merkelwaite. Anyway, she got wind of what was going on. And she heads an organization called Exodus Cry, which is a Christian fundamentalist anti-porn organization. Like, their mission is to eradicate all online pornography. And that used to be their heading mission on their on their website until they like rebranded and all this stuff. And now it's just, oh, it's uh, to save the children bullshit. Anytime so, somebody wants to save the children, they usually have an ulterior motive. It's just an unfortunate fact throughout all of history. Yeah. Oh, what about the children? That's it's really code for, yeah, it's like code for how can I ostracize and or uh, oppress somebody. Yeah. Oh, somebody think of the children. Yeah. She hears about Rose's story. Gets a hold of her and um, proceeds to use this poor young woman as a spearhead for her anti-porn propaganda. Not only that, but she had harbored what we call CSAM or CSAM, which is child sexual assault or exploitation material. 
and had uploaded it onto Pornhub herself, allegedly. So she, so she, she <laughs> uploaded kitty porn to catch people who would watch kitty porn. But no, no, no. To to, to say, look, this is on their oh, okay. platform. Yeah, it's kind of like the leaving the baggie of crack at the scene that cops would do. Yeah, but, but it's finding yeah. drugs on suspects. Yeah, kind of things. Okay, so it's not even it's not even uh, mm-hmm. it's not a bit where you're like, look how easy this is to do. And she's it's like, no, oh, how did she get here? Oh my goodness, look at all this stuff here that shouldn't be here look, look at how all horrible the evidence i planted okay, okay exactly okay. yeah so it. so anyway she then she's like oh this is a huge problem i'm gonna go talk to all my fun contacts and one of them had to happen to be christoph our nicholas christoph at new york times okay. where he wrote an article about this young woman further stigmatizing her and causing her issues in her personal life that sort of created the foundation for lila to go to MasterCard and Visa and say, you're supporting child pornography and human trafficking and blah, blah, blah. And them going, oh shit, well, we don't want to do that. So uh, I guess we'll pull our payment processing from these sites. And that was supposed to be the fix that OnlyFans found was, hey, it's not random people loading up whatever clips they found or they produced. It's content creator exclusive. Well, also with OnlyFans, like... Not only did you have to upload your ID, a picture of you holding your ID by your face, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Like OnlyFans has one of the most like rigorous, yeah, rigorous, ridiculous like processes for becoming a creator on their platform. And it's still full of a ton of bots. How does that affect folks that are like trans and are like in the process of like name changing and stuff? They're, they're Do those SOL. folks have struggles, I imagine? Oh, very much so, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, also, sorry, I was just thinking about no, that. No, right. no, it's okay. Also, they started implementing facial recognition AI. Oh my, oh, oh, oh that's gross. It's, it's really scary because what I what I see with, with sex workers is always... They're going to do to private citizens what they do to sex workers. They're just seeing what private citizens will tolerate before they do it to it, you. They call yep. it Foucault's boomerang and in terms of empire. Whatever you whatever you do on a colony, mm-hmm. you will eventually bring back to the mainland to do to your own people. Yeah. You'll just figure out how to do You'll just practice. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, it sounds like the medical tests they did on African-American men and sy- with having syphilis... Um, it sounds like what we do to disabled people and people with mental health issues, like regular, like the forced sterilization of folks with mm-hmm. mental health issues. Like w- when everyone was like so upset about Britney Spears having that IUD in there, I was like, do you not realize that that is happening to so many people? And some people are being permanently, like irreversibly yeah. sterilized without their consent. If, if you don't want that to happen to you, you should check to make sure it's not happening to the people that we think the least of. Because that's, yeah. always, that's always been my thing. It's like, whatever you can do to somebody else, you can do to me. That's why I'm against mm-hmm. you. I don't want a better job for me. I want a better job for us. So, Mr. Christoph's job, as you said, is mm-hmm. to be a writer for the New York Times yes. uh, in particular. He's, he's uh, Writers do this a lot where they'll write like... You write for the you write for the New York Times, but your stuff gets published elsewhere. So he's also published in the Oregonian and a number of other places. Sorry, I'm trying to. Th- but yeah, he uh, he wrote a very popular piece called "The Children of Pornhub." Or yeah, and it's oh, he, and then it spearheaded the whole uh, trafficking hub movement headed by Lila Merkel. Wait, and curse he, your name and your ancestors ancestors and your children by the way all right so as a allegedly as a, as I hope a, you always get the cart that doesn't work 
I hope you get the day you deserve. Yes, that's my favorite thing from TikTok. Have the day you deserve. I feel like the most aggressive genital insult I can do is I hope you have genitals not of your choosing, but not of your liking. Mm -hmm. But not necessarily the first one. Anyway. Up in Burton's when you piss. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) And no amount of doctor visits will fix it. (laughs) It's just like, it's just a persistent kidney stone issue. I have that. I hope you have. I hope you become me in your next life. There you go. In the middle of this one. So why I want to talk about Chris, I want to talk about him because he did all that, but he's uh, from Oregon and he's running for governor here. And I wanted to get to know the man a little bit, explore his life, because there's there's some stuff in his existence that I think is worth exploring for us in general. And it's also something we reoccurringly visit on Recyclables. Um, so, like I said, he was born in Chicago. He was raised in Yamhill. Um, he was raised on a family farm that apparently his mom owned. His father was the uh, the immigrant body in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of an inherited family farm, but his dad's work uh, helped make it go. Uh, he seemed to show a propensity for writing for a young age, so he's always kind of been involved in it in school. Uh, oh, he went to Harvard before working for the Oregonian, before going to the New York Times. Working for the New York Times, he's been what they call a correspondent at large, which means he doesn't actually have to live in New York or write about anything other than what he wants. He's he's a form of something called editorial journalism, mm-hmm. where you decide the topic. You, for example, pick one cherry case point, such as you do with this lady, and you decide to kind of build your whole view around them he sounds like a crummy crack hour it's well the problem is once they figured i mean it's kind of a reoccurring theme but once they figured out how to monetize that they made it easier for people to want to repeat that because there's a lot of people like this guy out there there's malcolm gladwell isn't that different there's um the lady that wrote that book i'm almost done with cultish is the same way i'm just so the interesting thing about um christoph is he's written a lot of stuff that is Stuff that would get you on board. Because if you think about it, like, if you hear children on Pornhub, like, you... Like, You're like, oh, that's fucked. Yeah, yeah. If like, you there he- shouldn't be children on mm-hmm. Pornhub. If you hear about um, uh, uh, children in war zones, same deal. So he goes to Defer and writes there. He's got this weird thing where it's like, he'll go, he'll get really close to the point that I agree with, and then he'll veer off in a direction I don't have. For example, he's quoted as saying about the Iraq War... Uh, frankly, it seems, I'm reading from his Wikipedia, I'm cheating, uh, frankly, it seems like a bad idea to sacrifice our troops' lives along with billions of dollars in a way that'll add to our vulnerability, but he never criticizes the idea that, like, an empire shouldn't just invade another country. Yeah, America is not the world's police and we need to stop acting as such. But he's one of those people that's very much on <laughs> They're board They're not even our that. real dad. Yes, it's, it's this thing that's kind of this, um, I don't know, like, West Wing psychology, West Wing liberalism, where it's this idea that, like, to a certain degree, America, w- Amer- the experiment of America has had a bunch of points where it's gone wrong. But if we go back to one of the points where it went wrong and fix it, it'll be right. So it's like a lot of the, it's kind of like the Avengers, where they're like, look, we can't, we can't fix now. So what we'll do is we'll go in the back, <laughs> back in the past, and we'll make the past now, and then we'll fix that in the future. What I'm saying is it's not a very good response and system. He's running... The The reason I want to talk to him in particular, though, is that him running for governor seems like a really good chance that he'll actually get it for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, the media already is predispositioned to love him. 
Um, if you if you go into our links, there's going to be a KGW interview. I showed both of you it uh, that I think very succinctly shows kind of the relationship the media has with him. They're very cordial. Their their hard questions aren't really followed up on. Their soft questions are plentiful. They're kind of well, and like he talks a lot, but he doesn't say shit. Yeah. I, I think we could safely uh, identify him as kind of a, a liberal moderate. And there's this thing, th- there's a very classic thing that everyone knows about moderates, politically speaking, where it's like you can pull them your way by like, if you're, if you're an extreme right-wing person, you can be like, hey, I think we should kill all the people. And then a like, moderate... Okay, only kill some people. Yeah, so a moderate has to come to that point. There is a weird thing I've noticed that moderates do where they do kind of, uh, they do like hooks out to pull people in the middle. So you do a thing where you're like, I'm against war, not because war is imperialism and gets people killed, but because it gets our people killed. Mm -hmm. So then you get like a little bit. People from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very good at that. Like he's. Speaking to like pulling him and like you're able to pull a moderate problem is is that our society's pushed so right at this point that no moderate can be pulled by the left no. because then they're not moderate anymore I, I think the thing that that makes these people so kind of insidious it's hard i think for people to understand why people who are more leftish such as ourselves, again emphasis on the shh i don't want to put anybody in a place that they're not part of being more leftish is you want better for people your your goal isn't just better for you but better for everyone and I think the more kind of right your your point of view gets, it's the more I want right by me. He has a sympathetic life story. He comes from a, a child, an immigrant post-World War II. And that, I think that's super important because the era that he's trying to get back to, the reason I want to talk about Kristoff is because he's so emblematic of a lot of other people. And if conservatism, if the older branch of conservatism is dying, i.e. the Mitch McConnells and whatnot, eventually they will die, God willing, Satan, whoever you need to talk to. But what's going to be left, who's next, is a thing I think about sometimes, especially more lately, especially since my own kind of political awareness is is pretty uh, nascent in its own journey. If not this man, is, okay. is, is I think he's kind of a, a future that we're going to see. There's a lot of people like him out there. I mentioned Malcolm Gladwell specifically because I used to be a really big fan of Malcolm Gladwell, and I think uh, a lot of his ideas aren't too too off. The problem I had in particular was when I started realizing, like, Malcolm Gladwell is never going to say capitalism is the problem or white supremacy is the problem. You're talking about my best friend. Well, not exactly. Well, the capitalism part. I think I think it's more importantly that it's, it's uh, in Gladwell's case, for example, he's the son of a Jamaican immigrant and an English uh, immigrant in, like, rural Canada. Right, and he lives a life that takes him on this path of success, where he also ends up working for the New York Times as an editorial investigative journalist. So it's it's they they have a lot of similarities, and I think the big reason they're important is these are the people that go around and influence our kind of wealthier counterparts in in more liberal social spheres. These are the people giving TED talks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think is interesting about Kristoff is he really plays into the kind of folksy element of it. Like he really does connect to his roots in a way. His last book that I listened his last book which I listened to was called Tightrope and he wrote it with his wife who is his frequent writing partner. And it's all about how 
um, he used to take the bus from his place to school, and how something like 16 of the kids on his school bus are dead now. Which, I mean, granted, for a person who's at 60, age 62, I think it was, that's not utterly unreasonable, but more importantly, they're deaths of overdose, deaths of exposure, deaths of what... Um, there was a study done a while ago about how the white male population is declining, and they attributed it to deaths of despair, suicide, alcohol involvement, exposure. And so Christoph, this book, um, his book Tightrope, comes back to this kind of notion a lot of these deaths of despair. But again, this, the, the thing he's basing the information on was focused on white heterosexual cis male deaths because they're declining because what's going on? Why was all the white guys going, right? And so as a result... Let's not like take into account that maybe like more men in our society are taking advantage of the fact that we're more accepting of like coming out as bisexual or queer you know gender queer things yeah. like that you know so part of it is a part of it is a change of identity but part of it is I this would can, love for all cis men to just opt out of being men i think it might be a good move I've, for them if you I think, think so about too. it i actually that's just funny do you a should rebranding we, we just, talk, just by the way like if you ever want to like cross dress or some feminization come see me just saying it's like I, one of my favorite things I, I, I talked with Dahlia about it just in on on her birthday when we were hanging out about like it's it's unique to it's interesting to me because I've been willing to question my masculine identity. I've been willing to say like where am I on the spectrum? Where am I on the sexual spectrum? Am I gay? Am I straight? Am I okay? The I really sex-trum. yeah. This, this, <laughs> and and the average heterosexual male isn't inclined to do that because you might. Because then you might be gay. Well, you you might lose your place at the top. And, like, as a cripple, I never had a place at the top. So I never, as a cripple, abused poor kid, I never had to be worried about getting to the top. I just had to worry about not getting trampled. So, like, it's it's interesting that to a certain degree, I think you're right, some of it is that thing where it's like, oh, now that you can question your identity, you're not going to identify as straight, white, or necessarily male. But a lot of it is this country has a, Pre uh, disposition to prioritize straight white males, yeah. and we're constantly worried about what the decline of the air quotes white population is. Yeah, and I think what's also to note in that is that you, we didn't see those declines before because things were generally only affecting marginalized groups in the large, in like a big way. But now, late-stage capitalism and neoliberalism has left us in the situation that even the, the protected straight white male isn't getting the protection they had before because resources are that fucked. Yeah, the, the, the nakedness of the system is so much so that even the target audience is no longer the target. It's like, now that they're getting a taste of how the rest of the world has lived, that's when like the alarm bells are finally going off. But it's, it's also uh, a thing I want to kind of hit the audience on you guys might be hip to it is internalized puritanicalism it's it's a concept my shrink and i deal with a lot because i have some of it myself obviously i have a good amount of it but it's the the idea that like puritanical judgments and values are so kind of uh, commonplace in our society that it's easy for us to make judgments based on that and the the inherent danger of internalization is it's inside you you don't even realize that you're doing it when you do your equations of life when you look at oh how do i react to this you don't even realize that you're having kind of a puritanical bent and i think that's one of the big issues i have uh i have a lot of issues with liberals with uh neoliberalism in particular but i think the 
internalized puritanical nature of it is what's in particularly so dangerous because a lot of what he focuses on in his book tightrope is in particular a narrative about what the people from his town and that bus experience went through and how they got to their deaths a little bit of it's kind of what we do here which is uh present the information go over it and then kind of present a thesis and his end thesis at the end of his book, which we'll get to in a second, he has kind of eight points that he suggests that we that people should be implemented to make society work. Kind of a, a platform without presenting his political platform. Only use Dapper Dan. Don't use Fop. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah, that is. So number two will be quite a shock to you. But <laughs> how he's looking at it is he's looking at it through a kind of internalized puritanical neoliberal lens. Mm -hmm. So he's looking at the fact that his friends all suffered because they didn't have jobs. And he doesn't see, well, we have this messed up system that puts you to thinking productivity and having a job is more important than your health. Mm -hmm. Instead, he sees, well, we just need to give these people jobs. Yeah, and that and so that was something I wanted to address when you were talking about the tar term internalized puritanicalism. Yeah. Is that we also have other terms of like internalized homophobia, internalized fabphobia, internalized uh, misogyny. The big problem when it is internalized is that you typically cannot see it because yeah. it is inside of you. It's so close you don't. It's so like... So, like, for example... The racism is coming from inside your heart. Yeah, and I, I guess I wanted to address this because I wanted to make clear that it's typically not a conscious thing, and it's important to note that a lot of the hurt we see happen in the world is people not aware that what their, like, their viewpoints are not helping, not only them, they're not helping other people, but they think it's helping. Yeah, and you think it's, you think it's a righteous viewpoint because it's a common view. I think what I'll do is I'll go over his suggestions in just a sec. But the the idea of his whole book is that he wants to present all of these art, uh, all of these sad stories, and then tell you how it would have been fixed by it. But I feel like his solutions aren't fixed. His idea of solutions aren't fixed. Well, it sounds like he's doing the math backwards. So, like, I'm going to give you uh, the list uh, along with. I'll give you the list along with like kind of my note of what I think it's really about. Okay. So his first suggestion is uh, high-quality early childhood education. Yes. Which sounds really good, <clears throat> but, but... but it's all about getting women in the workforce is how he frames uh, it. Having wait, so it's not about children having a meaningful it's, it's education. About, it's about the education, for sure. Because, but it's more about getting the wife to work or well, the mom to work? Because if you have a kid who's educated and taken care of, then mom can go to work and the kid can grow up to be a useful, productive member of society as well. Okay. Universal high school graduation. A, I don't know how the fuck you affect that. But B, it's again about an ability to get jobs. He goes on over and over and over in his book about how the men from his town didn't graduate, couldn't get good jobs, and then ate themselves to death, drank themselves to death, meth themselves to death. Well, and, and as a person who... I just want to take a second and say, oh, as, as, as the one without a diploma... That doesn't kill you. What kills you is the fact that jobs are like, well, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Uh, we're still going to pay you not enough to live off of. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I've, I've heard about places where they have like a 100% graduation rate. Typically, that doesn't mean the kid learned anything. And I mean, we could get, we don't even need to get into it, but the whole education system is completely fucked and how it actually teaches you and how we measure that teaching. 
But this idea of, like, compulsory graduation, all it does is give this impression that these people... You're, you're doing someone a service when in reality you're just putting a stamp on them. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, and it's again, all about the ability to get jobs. It's all about if you have a diploma, then at least you can work in, in fabricating or whatever. Uh, his number three thing is one of those things that it's like, well, I'm on board for this universal health care, universal uh, medical coverage. So that they can go to work. Yep. And, and also Medicare for those who, it's, it's more that Pete Buttigieg, Medicare for everybody who wants it. Like, it's, it's about, well, we can't, he also has a very, like, we can't eliminate things that are here and making money, because those are important mindset. Um, number four, elimination of unwanted pregnancies, which, again, is that thing where it's like, well, that's, that's cool, but it's about the ability of women to work and be productive in society and not be bogged down by unwanted pregnancies. Yeah, and so what, what is his... His plan for eliminating said unwanted pregnancies. Air, air shrug, big shrug. There's no. So like he doesn't he doesn't specify that's... what he's gonna do. He doesn't talk about abstinence only education. He doesn't talk about comprehensive sex ed. He doesn't talk about. Well, he does that. talk about comprehensive sex ed, but it's that thing where it's like we just need sex ed. It, it not let's not go too too deep into the details. His uh, his number five thing was a monthly childhood allowance of at least two hundred and fifty a child. It's Wait, a, given to the parent, I'm assuming. Yes, and it's about it is about ending childhood poverty, but it goes back to number two, where it's like it's all about people having jobs. Or it goes back to number one. <laughs> Did my own handwriting, no? But it's all about getting women back into the workforce or or getting production back on value. If we give you this money, you can hire a babysitter to take care of your kid, so you can go work. Okay. Um, and I don't want to go back to work for someone else. I want to smack dudes around for money what the fuck <laughs> right he's losing your vote is what you're saying yeah uh-huh. very much so it's like not only are you compromising my work in other ways you're you're trying to tell me to go work for someone else no uh-huh. i i make my own schedule and my own rules and i have also proven that i am way too adhd to work with for someone else yeah it's he's got a one-size-fits-all mentality is is the big problem with with him as well as most neoliberal people in general side note one thing that i've seen people talk about the fact that sex work is one of the most accommodating industries Mm -hmm. oh very much you can do so much of it on your own time and like that's a huge part of the reason they're probably not interested in it becoming more viable is that you're a lot harder to control now mm-hmm. that you can do these types of things. You're getting enough needs met that they can't put you in the same box they put you in before. And mm-hmm. as a disabled person, it's also like a little bit more freedom to be like, well, I'm going to hurt myself at work no matter what. Can I hurt myself doing something I I enjoy? Yeah, like, exactly. And it, especially people with disabilities, people with medical issues, People who need to take, like, ex- uh, extended periods of time off of work. Sex work is perfect for that. Yeah, and I do have, like, physical disabilities also, which, like, makes this, like, very accommodating for someone like me. Because it's, like, you know, maybe one day I'm having a very, like, you know, hyper-focused day or I'm having, like, the uh, ADHD paralysis where I literally can't do anything that day. Um, or, like, I'm in so much, like physical pain that I can't even like get out of bed that day uh well when I am feeling better I can just make like 
you know, uh, a week's worth of content in one day, yeah. mm-hmm. schedule it out, and then have the rest of the week to just be in pain and miserable. Like I haven't... <laughs> and do things around the house that you need to get done in the time that you can, because yeah, then you're not exerting that energy to do other stuff for work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, and it's, I don't know, it's kind of difficult, because, like, I haven't, so I was going to make it personal for a second, like, I haven't done much in the way of my own content creation in that sense, because, it's like, I haven't felt good, and I haven't felt good. Well, Wait, Belinda like, said your skin looked wonderful. Well, I know that was I took that so. compliment. So, but moving on, maybe he will win you back with number six. He wants to end childhood homelessness. I thought I'm so glad that you put homelessness on the end of that because I was like, he just wants to end childhood. I mean, the, get like, them to work as soon know? as possible. Get them in those minds. But yeah. I want to. I want to clarify. Get those little hands that can fit in the holes. He wants to. <laughs> he wants to end childhood homelessness. In part because he thinks we've already done such great work at solving veteran homelessness. Yeah, Patrick wow. was mentioning this. He's like, he argued the veteran homelessness problems fix. I'm like, has, has it or is just enough Vietnam veterans died off that you think we made a dent in well, it? Well, his, his argument is that we've gotten half the veterans off the street thanks to some new initiatives. And I'm like, do you realize how many half of the veterans are? That means that there's still half of the veterans and out there. And also how many of them are not documented. We don't know if they're homeless. And how about all the people who are adults and are homeless that you're not helping that was, because that was they're my not point. a fucking veteran. That was my point. And is, oh, is I hate everything. Your goal is just, your goal is kids. Again, kids and, and veterans. Not just a mentally disabled person who has or trouble navigating. Or, yeah. All right, all right. Maybe, maybe he has lost us on the part where he only wants to save white kids. I mean, he doesn't say that, but but we know that's what he means. So he's got one that I think um, might win us all back. Uh, he wants to baby bonds to help build savings. He wants two thousand dollars at birth to be invested for a child set aside that can only be accessed for education, for home, to invest in a business, or to retire with. Boo. I want to buy drugs. Low-income families would be matched in these investments as they added to it. So, like, if you're like, I can't match the $500 investment of a richer person, but I only have $200, cool, we'll match your thing. Individual development account, or if, if the baby bond doesn't work, than an individual development account. It's the same idea, but you take a financial literacy class to get access to the money. And the main motive is to create capital. The main motive that I can see is to create capital for every family. So you just start off with like $2,000 a pop at life and it can build savings until you're ready to get to it, which is all great except all of the parts of that that just made me cringe when I said that. Because you're just... You're just trying to do more capitalism. There's this fact that I keep going over on the show where, like, it takes 60 to 70 people in the third world basically living enslaved for a person in the first world to exist. So what you're saying is, like, I want the situation directly in front of me to be better, and I want everyone around me to be better. I don't care who that ultimately costs out of sight. That's the part in particular that is, like, it's, to me, is grossing... Gross, because it's like, we're going to trick you all into being miniature capitalists, but we're not going to actually change the problems inherent to capitalism, mm-hmm. which is, it's going to feed off of all that. No, I think that makes sense. Like, And he wants that also, I wanted to, before I forget, he wants that in place of a universal basic income. 
because... So he doesn't want UBI, he just wants everyone to get this $2,000 credit. Because if you, if you get a UBI, at least according to, if I was reading his... His I may be misinterpreted. Yeah, it's because you won't have worked for it, so you won't have felt like you earned it, so you won't be responsible with it. You know what? And he is the moral arbiter of deciding what people can do with money. Well, and here's the wild thing from from my personal perspective about what I when I make money, what I use my money on, etc. If I buy myself something, and it's a loss. I'm the only one who got hurt. If someone gave me money or bought me something and I lost it or broke it, I feel like fucking garbage. And you know what? I didn't earn that gift. I didn't earn that money. But I care so much more about that money than the money that I made because that's how my brain works. And I'm not saying that's how anyone else feels or that anyone else should feel that way. But it's him um, it makes it sound like everyone will feel that way getting free money. And it and makes like, it it makes it seem like everybody wants that. I honestly don't want a bunch of capital. I want to die with zero dollars. I want to die knowing I have left as little of an imprint on this mess of a world as I no, like. Here's what I want. I want my kid to have everything, but that's that's neither here nor there because that's not even we don't even have wealth to inherit. But I want to die with so much money. And then I want to create a squid game with it after I die. I'm so about this. So that everyone has to murder each other to get all my money. And you're dead so you don't care. And let, and let me just say this will be quality population control. Um, and hopefully it'll free up some real estate. So I'm just saying, think about it. Can I can I help you develop these squid games? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I still haven't even watched the show. Oh my god. I've heard so good things. Awesome. Right, Patrick have, hasn't either. We have one more. I'm a big fan of like Korean um, shows. And, like, nice. You yeah. would be. Yeah. I would be. I don't want to say that I got that vibe, but. Uh... <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what gives me that vibe, but you know, I'm about it's it. It's so all I'm... of it. It's everything. So he. <laughs> it's the K pop blurring from my car as I pull up. <laughs> Smooth like butter. Anyway, how do you like that? <laughs> da, 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 da. I know like two K-pop songs. I know I do zero. Like Blackpink. I know zero. I don't even watch Asian porn. I'm, you know K-pop songs. You just don't know the you probably, know K-pop yeah, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm that kind of white. That's how ubiquitous they have become. I I like a lot of K-pop. Songs. Do you? Do you I don't think you're gonna road? like. I don't think you're gonna like the eighth point on his kind of. So like I said, and wait, I, did we skip seven or no? No, that was seven. Seven okay. was the was the baby bonds. The eighth point, his final point, uh, that he's kind of really, really thinks we need to emphasize is a right to work. That's why it's number eight and not number one, right? Well, it's the number one is that thing where it's like we need to get kids educated. Aren't we it, a right to work state already? Well, he wants to go about raising the minimum wage. See, this is why incels should totally vote against him because he's taking away your 1950s housewife fantasy, by the way. A little like, bit. We're going to... I'll, I'll finish reading what all he wants, and then we'll talk about why I don't disagree with you at all. Okay. Um, he, he wants to raise the minimum wage. He wants to see a strengthening of unions. He wants job coaching with state benefits and improved quality of life. Again, these are all things where it's like, well, this sounds great, but skeptical of the UBI because you wouldn't feel like you earned it. He wants to instead apply a wage insurance for people who accept a crappier paying job. So, like... You're a skilled dominatrix, mm-hmm. and your going rate is $75 an hour. 
That's Shoot. way low balling me, but okay. Well, what, what's your going rate? Give me your going rate. Uh, right now it's two fifty, which is actually still kind of low. But I'm is only, that per hour? Yeah. I'm only offering you seventy five. Mm-hmm. So under his plan, the rest of that will go to you as an income while you do this crappier job that you accept because, like, you just we need you working right now. So that's that's basically so what. So I still get my asking rate, but. But in steps, you get you get my sixty five or seventy five, whatever bullshit mm-hmm. number I made up, and then you get a wage insurance from the government matching the difference of what you're supposed to get. Oh, okay. and this will totally not be abused by people way at the top who are like, I earn a thousand dollars an hour as a consultant. Yeah. Uh, Sounds but, like I'm going to be a consultant here. But he also wants. <laughs> It, it, my favorite part is that at the very, very end, he the number eight takes most of the chapter. Like, all of these have a, like, I should have saved an audio section, but, like, when he's talking about, say, like, the high-quality child thing, high-quality mm-hmm. high early childhood education, here's how it would look, here's what it would go into, here's what you would want. I waited for, like, 50, 30 minutes for number eight to get done because he just goes over this point that's, like, we need to get people working. We need people working. People have to work. The deal is people have to be working. And it's just that over and over again. I need my stocks to go back up so I can be rich again. We need to get people to move jobs. We need a federal jobs guarantee. And then maybe, maybe, maybe at the very end, he's like, we could try to tax the rich or maybe put a tax on shareholder financial transactions over X amount. But like, that's just going to incentivize them not to want to do that. And it's really all about, it, it's this thing that we keep going over here, which is like, Build Back Better is just MAGA in blue. It's just in blue font instead of red font. It's mm-hmm. just, Build Back Better is Make America Great Again, but you're very... It's, yeah, it's, it keeps on making this assumption that there was a time when we were better. Yeah. And that's that's my problem with him. And that's my problem with yeah. a lot of these guys. Is and Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Better for who? Is yeah, exactly. Better for who? And I want to, I think I can explain at least the logic of My mom's it. tribe? <laughs> I can explain the logic, but not necessarily have an excuse for it. And I think the logic is this. I think you live a very fortunate life. You're a white presenting male, mm-hmm. right? Like, even if you're not uh, uh, nominally an American, even if you identify as Bosnian or whatever, you're white presenting and people are going to react to that. And you're an immigrant, but you're a naturalized immigrant. Your parents are immigrants. You're born American. So you've, you've got whiteness kind of confirmed. But you do have the internalized struggle of, you know, the realities and the hardships that your parents are dealing with or had to deal with to get you here. So you, the path to success is very clear to you, but it's also because everybody's kind of kept you on the, like kept you from falling off because your, your family is like, Hey, invisible hand. Yeah. Your family keeps you on one side from falling off because they're like, Hey, you have to represent us. And the community keeps you on the other side from falling off because they're like, well, you'll be a bad minority if you don't. It's like the footsteps in the sand. Jesus was carrying you. <laughs> well, then you get to the New York Times and you start seeing a world full of problems because he, he goes to Darfur. He goes to the Sudan. He goes all over the place. The the part of what he claims gets him so interested in human trafficking is going to Taiwan and seeing these conditions. Also, he leaves there pro-sweatshops because at least it doesn't... Hey, oh, my God. Hey, at least those conditions are better than no job at all. 
or or people putting you in slave labor. Why is he so obsessed with people working? Like, because this, this is what I was getting to. Is it's because he's had to work this whole time. He's sitting there putting. And he out, assumes oh, that he has to say that that's good. Otherwise, he has to be like, "Fuck, I worked this whole time." And and he's sorry. That's my. That's thought. no. That's exactly I think what it is. Is he's he's got a comfortable life as far. I mean, even if you're traveling all over the world for the New York Times or in war zones. You're working for the fucking New York Times. Mm -hmm. And you get to this position of this really privileged peak position and you see all the human life it costs around you. Because he's still, he does seem genuinely interested in these people in a way I'll critique more in a minute. It's this fact that like your life is good and you're not innately evil. You don't want to kill and rape and murder and disenfranchise people. But you don't want to accept that maybe the cost of you getting to this position was... 16 kids on your school bus had to die because that's the way the system's set up. Mm -hmm. You can't accept that the system cost 16 kids to one you. So instead you're like, I've got to fix the system so as many people can do the same things as me without considering, no, the system is set up so that those 16 kids had to die for you to get there. It was going to be somebody on the bus, but it was going to be kids ignored. And the reason, the, the, the thing I wanted to go back to, which goes to what you were talking about, is he, he does want a nostalgia. He does want, like, a pastime. He wants post-World War II. He mentions the GI Bill all the time. He mentions the Fair Housing Act. And he gets... there. There's two mentions of the fact in, in this very thick book where he repeats often how the GI Bill and the Fair Housing Act helped... Or not Fair Housing Act, but the uh, the one that's along with the GI Bill that helped people get houses... Are you sure it's not the Fair Housing Act? Is that the one that was also super racist? Because I mean, that's my point. I feel like it would have a nice title and be really, mm -hmm. really racist, so that's, it probably works out. That's, that's my point. That's how all these bills are. Yeah, it's, it's like, all these things oh, are super racist, super yeah. prejudicial, super prejudiced, and he wants them back because it benefited his white dad, and it benefited him, and he can't consider that, like, the same things that, the same issues, that, the same people that, that Foucault's boomerang thing. Mm -hmm. what, what you do to black people you're going to do to poor white people and he can't accept that because he's comfortable but it's also like i don't know how much of it is not just like a pathological condition because also in this book like he's describing this dude that's had like a rough life that's been his friend all his life but the dude is a servant as far as he's concerned like he codes him as a servant he's like we couldn't figure out how to get the tractor on the farm working his parents are both college professors he's a new york times writer what the fuck do you need a tractor for? You know what I mean? And and I know farms need all kinds of things. And even if it's not a functional, operational farm, that you still have maintenance and care to take care of. So maybe you have somebody on hand. But it doesn't sound like he's paying this dude to go fix his tractor. Or at the very least, he's not doing things to be like, oh man, I hear you're having trouble with housing and regular employment. How about I take you on as the caretaker for my property? Instead, it's just, well, we could always count on him when mom needed help. It kind of makes me think of that trope in movies where the black character is the magical character that solves problems but does not exist in the main story outside of that. Like, they're not a fully formed person. They're just the needs they meet for the main character. And that's kind of how does I that think... Sense? Yeah, that's kind of how I think he feels about these people. I think he might have been friends with them, for sure. But, like, listening to this book, the examination is really, like... A lot of why couldn't these people have the same things I had well then the solution must be to give more people the same thing I had without really critically examining because you don't want to critically I also understand why you don't want to critically examine that because that's a really 
bleak, sad thing to realize that, like, oh, I, all of this, this was the whole plan for the system. And then it comes back to, like, this, like, daddy-savior complex that a lot of these people have of, like, oh, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm going to take my best guess instead of listening to you about what you need, and that's probably what you need because I know best in this situation because, you know, I'm your savior. So my impression of that is the white lady at the bar who, like, well, my wine. I'm helping. Yeah. I'm helping. Like, they get up in someone's <laughs> oh business, God, try yeah. to break up a fight, go up to tell someone how beautiful they look. And, like, I'm not even into black mm-hmm. people, but you look gorgeous tonight. Like, that kind of yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that cared about the, the optics of the protest more than what was being protested. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, well, I understand that, like, they're very dissatisfied, but, like, do they have to loot? Do they have to, do they have to express it? Like, they have to be all poor. I think, like, in addition to, I think these eight points kind of really clearly stating kind of what his platform is going to be. I think he's insidious, A, because it's very easy to be a kind of liberal, uh, yeah, I guess liberal fascist in a way by insisting people work. Because, like, what about people like me who can't work? Where the fuck do I fit in in that? Yeah, exactly. Like, like this podcast is, is, is labor. But it's not something I don't. I don't set an alarm to wake up at seven in the morning because Rochelle is gonna like keep me from being alive if I don't start the podcast at yeah. nine. I mean, she does threaten to unalive me, but it's usually because like I keep. No, I say that Harriet's threatening oh. you. I'm not threatening you. I don't but I think blood on my hands. I think the other <laughs> end of that, the other equally dangerous thing, is that liberals and people like this are much because you have this nostalgia and you want to go to this old-fashioned way of doing things you're much more willing to make dangerous compromises with the the ted cruz's you might not deal with the donald trump's for sure but you'll make compromises so that ted cruz doesn't act like donald trump or you'll make compromises so that mitch mcconnell doesn't act like donald trump you know what i mean or, or you're even the kind of insane person who's like, maybe we can reason with Trump if we just figure out what his, his, his price is. And I think kind of, uh, oh, and sort of with this, this has been a rambly or recyclers than usual, recyclables. <laughs> I think a real clear proof of how he's going to manage things is in how his family farm has been managed. So it's like a family location. And he sees Yamhill has this crisis, there's houselessness, there's joblessness, there's all kinds of people who have needs to do something. And he owns this big family farm. What would you do, what would be your pitch if, if you had a, an orchard and mm-hmm. a farm, mm-hmm. what would you do with it to help your community? I mean, I would probably donate, like food to food banks like hire on people to like cultivate the food to take to the food banks for people that aren't able to work you know things like that what what about what about you michelle what would you do what would if you had a whole orchard's worth of property and and like a farm what would you do with that i'd put up really high barbed wire fences um i would have constant surveillance and I would make sure if anyone even looked at the property, they would be sued within an inch of their lives. Those are both... Because ca- I Wait. care about community. Can I change my, my answers? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being a turd. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would hopefully do something along the lines of what Nova is saying, just where, like, I would 
try to give to the community in the way that I could. And if I didn't want the fucking farm anymore, I'd sell it and use that money to like create a homeless shelter. Or you wouldn't you wouldn't open up uh, an apple cider farm and then hire your youngest daughter to manage it? Oh, gross. You wouldn't do that if you wanted to help your community. You wouldn't start a business. Community starts at home. Oh, oh it does. Okay, okay. Okay. That's what he did. I, one of the interviews I watched was he, his wife, and their, their I think, only daughter, maybe youngest daughter. Um, she's a high school graduate, and they were interviewed by, like, the wine... Some some wine blog on YouTube. I hope the daughter fucking hates apples. She loves them. She's really? they they all are very very happy smiley people. Oh they're no, great. that means they have some demons. Oh, there's. Yeah. But again, I I think if we get this dude as governor, we're not gonna see a guy who's who does even the nice version of the things that we talked about. Yeah. It's gonna be all about how can we privatize this? How can we like like he's against private? He talks about how private prisons have had a negative impact but he doesn't talk about the fact that like private prisons are the negative impact (laughs) like he just talks about the fact that like well privatizing them makes them less effective what we need to do is have the state run them but still have some private ones like it's it's no no any private i mean there probably shouldn't be any but they definitely shouldn't be outside of government oversight and i think that's what his solution is going to be he's going to privatize as much of like child care and health care as you as you can reasonably get away with while you aggressively like educate children (laughs) to be workforce peons because you don't see people as anything other than their class like so that's just that's at least why at least in this case i'm not gonna vote for christoph no i mean i'm not gonna vote for him because he's friends with a rigid lying bitch who spread child porn all yeah, over the internet. Yeah, falsified a child porn. <clears throat> Allegedly. And he, I mean, here, yeah. I mean, here's the thing about Lila merkel Wait, She literally put CSEP mysteri- uh, material on Twitter, like, uh, as of, like, I think it was, like, September or October of this year. Uh, and back in August of 2020, also. And, like, people have, like, screenshots and proof of this like she it, took it down after people like were like re- getting into on her like it makes me think of that philosophy <laughs> tube character when when she's uh, but it's still allegedly because she'll, uh, she'll play an troubles. arsonist oh and yes complain yeah. about the arson that yeah. she started and big big vibes of that with that lady I and mean, i think we're done i'm okay. sorry for rambling so much yeah, you're the worst. Well, no, this has been more rambly than usual just because I like talking with Nova. So again, Nova, Starlust, I fucking adore you. I love you. You're a great friend. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Where can the people who heard your voice find you if they want to find you? Oh, um, yeah. So you can find me on my website. It's novastarlust.com, like no spaces. I'm also on Twitter. It's going to be nova underscore starlust. That's where my more spicy stuff is. Uh, Instagram, same username, like pretty much across the handle everywhere, but you can find all my stuff on my website and now you can listen to my lovely voice on this podcast too. We'll have you back. Yeah, we would love to do that. We can probably do that sex education segment that we're always talking about. Right. I actually would love to do a news dump too. Like if there's a specific story that like you would like to talk about that's pertaining to anything that's important to you, Mm -hmm. because that's 
speaking of the news, don't check out Rochelle's uh, listeners. Be sure and check out Rochelle's page. The e I don't I can never it, so it's on YouTube. It's etoc two three four because I made my YouTube channel as like an eighteen year old or maybe a little older. Um, and then you can fo- uh, check out my Instagram whore for poor to find poor paintings to buy. Please buy them. I would like to ha- not have them in my house so I can make new ones. There's so many and they're so gorgeous. There's so fucking many. If you're, uh, depending upon when you like, publish this, if you're a patron, you'll have a chance to win one. If you're a yeah. patron, buy this. Uh, this might come out after that. We'll see. And it's a really cute one. It's a little mushroom house in a, in a poor painting scene, so... Uh, and I'm of course Patrick Thomas Perkins. You can you can support the recyclables by going to Patreon forward slash Patreon.com forward slash recyclables. Or you can just follow us on the internet if you ain't got money. I can respect that. So check us out Spotify. I heart wait, you're probably doing that right now. Never mind. Alright, thank you for listening. <laughs> I'm gonna go potty again too. As I run into your heater. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.